world-famous Abbey Road Studios. Everyone knows the stories of the bands who've recorded there, but who are the people behind the scenes that make the studio tick? I'm Paul Sexton. Join me on this exclusive series with Virgin Atlantic, where we chat to the heroes who bring a family spirit to number three, Abbey Road. Hello, my name is Marek Stiles and I'm the Head of Audio Products at Abbey Road Studios. So Marek, when you're introduced to somebody or you're at a party or whatever and you get into, what is it that you do? And is there a quick answer for, you know, once you've gone past it, you're at one of the most famous re- recording studios in the world. How do you sort of describe your role? We have a lot of difficulty sometimes. Mm. It's, yeah, it's not the most straightforward thing to explain. I'm not even sure what I do sometimes. <laughs> um, I've been at Abbey Road since 1998. And I've been a, a runner, a, an assistant recording engineer, a recording engineer of sorts, I suppose. And then I, I've been involved in production of Blu-rays and websites and music creation tools. And now I explore things like virtual reality and spatial audio. So yeah, you try and get all that into a sentence that makes any sense mm. to anyone. Sometimes that's difficult. Tricky. Yeah. So I'm still working on that. Yeah. But you're the master of all things new, I think, in, in this place, from what I, what I gather. You know, so much, much of the new technology and developments uh, in what, what it is that Abbey Road does. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot going on in this building. So, I mean, it surprises me um, quite a lot to how much is going on in this building. Mm. Besides, I mean, our, our, our core love, as it were, and our core service and where our heart will always be is, is recording of music. The main studios, you've got Studio One, which is the sort of centerpiece of Abbey Road. That's the big orchestral room. And then the, the famous Beatles studio, Studio Two. And then you've got smaller studios like Studio Three and and the penthouse and the gatehouse. And then the mix stage as well, where they do film dubbing. Um, but but beyond that, there's so much at Abbey Road. I mean, mastering has always been a big part of Abbey Road Studios. Cutting to vinyl, that sort of stuff. That's always been at Abbey Road Studios and can, will continue to be at Abbey Road Studios. But, but taking those kind of core concepts and expanding them beyond the walls. So for example, if you are on the other side of the world and you can't get to Abbey Road, how do we come to you? Uh, things like that. So, mm. and that's kind of expanded all sorts of areas of the business. So you've got things like online mastering, online mixing, um, production hub, where we kind of create sort of little how-to videos and things like that. Mm. And then there's things like the Abbey Road Institute, um, so like the, the kind of school, if you like, for kind of the, the next generation of, of recording engineers or producers or people who just want to work in the music industry. Um, and then things like Abbey Road Red, which is our tech incubation program. So working with startups, uh, re-inspiring entrepreneurs who've got these fantastic ideas and just need some help on how to shape them, develop them, get funding for them, that sort of thing. So there's all these tentacles, if you like, branches. Mm. Abbey Road and um, yeah I mean when someone asks me the question it's like wow there's you know there's a lot there's a lot going on here yeah um, I have to ask you if there was a first wow moment in terms of somebody you saw here I mean you're probably not the sort of person that has that sort of uh, you know awestruck thing but can you remember some early kind of encounters in the building yeah and the first one was Page and Plant were recording in Studio 2 and I got called in and it was Jimmy Page handed me a £50 note and he goes can you go to the pharmacist around the corner and get me a packet of paracetamol sort of thing. And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. Sort of thing. And yeah, it's, it, and then, I, I mean, I, I remember a friend of mine at the time was like a massive, massive Led Zeppelin fan. He was like, what? You know, it was, yeah. for, to him, it was mind blowing. And I guess looking back now, yeah, you know, that's a, 
odd thing, I suppose. But but at the time, no, it was very much I, that was my job. I, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I quite like the idea of a, rock, a member of a very famous rock band asking you to go to the pharmacist. That would have had, in a different era. That would have had a whole different connotation. No, it's just purely paracetamol. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> two hundred milligrams, nothing too excessive. For fifty pounds, that's quite good. fifty though. quid's worth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, I don't want change. No, no, just buy the stock. Um, no, there was a lot of change. I think that was you just had fifty quid. So, is that would that be one of your early sort of musical memories here as well? I mean, what was the what was the first, very first thing you worked on? Can you remember? The very the, the first project I remember actually working on, as in being involved in it from a day to day point of view, was the Beatles' Yellow Submarine songbook. It was called. Mm. I think they just released Yellow Submarine, as in the film, and they mixed it in surround sound, which was the thing at the time. That was like five point one was like the latest sort of sound format, and they then went back and and remixed the whole album in stereo to accompany the film. And, uh, yeah, Pete Cobbin was the remix engineer and there was an assistant engineer, a guy called Paul Hicks. And for whatever reason, um, I, I just got asked to sort of be around on it as well. Mm. Um, which, which was amazing. That was my first, that was my first experience of, of probably getting to know, uh, the Beatles back catalogue. And like, for me, to me, it sounded fresh because to, to me, a lot of those songs were fresh. First time I heard Baby, You're a Rich Man, for example, I thought, this is this is amazing. Yes. Like, this is such a cool song. Yeah, I mean, and the, t- technically at Abbey Road, that was an interesting time as well, because that was when, so we're talking about 1998, early 99, maybe. That was when computers were first starting to be used in the studio. They'd been used in the mastering rooms for quite a while, but because they were so the computers were so unreliable one processing time was long two they would probably crash um right in the middle of an important moment so if that happens in mastering that's all right because you haven't got musicians like you know around and all that sort of stuff so um you could leave things processing overnight that sort of thing but with actual computers in the actual recording studio that was when it was still still felt very new but we did have this system in the studio called pro tools pete cobbin mix engineer um, asked me to load in Ringo's drum track from, I can't remember which song it was, maybe it was Yellow Submarine, um, into this computer system and then cut out every single snare drum and every single kick drum onto a separate track. So like separate everything by hand, basically. Dissect it by hand so that you can then manipulate the sounds individually. It sort of gave you a kind of a, a fake multi-track, if you like. Right. Um, and it took me the best part of two days to do it. I mean, now it would take you not very long at all <laughs> but this was like the very very early days of Pro Tools and everything was still very much you had to, I had to literally zoom in to each the start of each kick drum the start of each snare drum cut it and then drag it onto another track in the computer and it just took forever yeah. forever but but when I'd finished the job and, and we listened to the result it was like I can't believe like but we can do that to me that was mind blowing at the time um, that you could actually do that um, I mean obviously now that's easy but, but back then, um, so so that was that was my first experience of um, of actually working on a specific project. The thing about Abbey Road, I always think, is that you know, it's, I love the idea that you can uh, you that you might see anyone in this in this building, and it's doing such a range of activities, and that that's only got more sort of widespread as it's gone along, hasn't it? There's so many different types of things being made here, and as the studio has expanded with all these new bits. To it, that's only more so. Yeah, I mean, the client base at Abbey Road is is kind of crazy when you think about it. I mean, I can't think of any other building in the world that can link 
Sir Edward Elgar with Kanye West. You know, it's just, there isn't another building like that. Um, I mean, even before Abbey Road opened officially in 1931, uh, like Paul Robeson was coming here doing test recordings. And then, yeah, so that was, I guess that was the kind of the pop music at the time, maybe. Um, but yeah, things like obviously classical in Studio One um, and then Studio Two, there was a lot of swing band stuff going on. Uh, Jack Hilton, Joe Loss, that sort of thing. Um, again, that kind of pop music of the time. Um, and then a little bit later on, things like Ruby Murray and uh, kind of that MOR, I suppose. I don't know what you call that. Um, um, but yeah, the pop music and the classical music. But then and, and radio shows were done here a lot, um, particularly in Studio 3. So spoken word as well. Um, there was a famous recording of Alice in Wonderland done in Studio Three in in the in the 40s, I think it was. And yeah, and then then the whole rock and roll thing happened in the early 50s um, or mid 50s, I should say, like Cliff Richard and the Shadows, that sort of thing. And so, and that kind of whole guitar music thing came along, which I think some people at the time thought it was a bit of a fad and wouldn't wouldn't last. Yes. You know, here we are. <laughs> um, and. Uh, and then things like film soundtracks in the the early eighties, which is today is pretty much a, a, you know a lot of our business is a lot of film soundtrack recording. I mean, we've seen everything from you know hip hop, dance music, EDM. I mean, uh, you name it. It's kind of been done here at Abbey Road, and, and you think of all the different artists that have been here over the years. It is it is a as we were um, talking about earlier on. It is a, it's an unusual building. Was it your choice to move into the sort of newer technology side of things in this place, or did it just kind of happen that way? I, yeah, I mean, the nature of my role, my current role, which is head of audio products, so just to explain a bit about what that is, I, I work with third-party companies in doing digital recreations of some of our famous bits of recording equipment. And we draw massive pools of inspiration from some of the gear that was in some cases, actually built and designed here at Abbey Road. So the gear that was used to record the Beatles and Pink Floyd was uh, very rare, was never a ver- a commercially available, has a very unique sound to it because it was made very bespokely, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, but people want that sound because it is a great sound. And what we're able to do is is to do digital versions of that equipment so that people can use it not only in other studios around the world, but but people can use it in their bedrooms or their home studios. So so you kind of yeah, I've been involved in that in that technology, I suppose. And that's just that has just naturally kind of sprouted out to, to other areas. Um so yeah, it's kind of it's, for me, it's like a natural progression in into that world. Tell me about some of those third-party companies that you work with. So at a very kind of traditional level, I would say, I work with a company in Iowa uh, called Chand Limited. They hand wire and hand build bits of recording equipment based on our intellectual, historic intellectual property. So things like microphones and um, um, sort of recording gadgets, if you like. I mean, I don't want to go too technical into, in, into this in this podcast, but things like compressors and EQ units uh, and microphone preamps, um, things that are, are quite common in, in a recording studio. But but this all hand built, hand assembled, and, and shipped all over the world. So that's kind of the most. That's quite a traditional way of doing things. Another company I work with is called Waves, based in 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 Israel, and they 
create the software versions of that same equipment. And then I also work with a company called Spitfire Audio and we create samples. And what I mean by samples is that's going into the studio with, say, a drum kit or a piano or an entire orchestra and recording it in a way and editing it in a way and packaging it in a way and presenting it in a way so that someone, again, in another studio around the world somewhere or in, in the comfort of their own living room, can trigger those sounds using like a MIDI keyboard and, and get a sense of your, your performing with that orchestra or that piano in our studios here at Abbey Road Studios. So it's like um, a production tool, a writing tool. Um, so, so yeah, um, yeah, they're, they're some of the companies I work with. And th- th- these products are really popular. Yeah. And that technology is moving so fast, isn't it? I mean, it must be, I guess part of your role is to keep keep on top of all that stuff all the time and just, you know, be, make sure you you and the studios know what's, uh, you know, what's the next thing. Yeah, I mean, so so everything I've explained there is very much uh, in, in the present, but there is this thing of like, you know, what next? And there's, you know, a bit of hype at the moment about like the, the metaverse as to what that exactly is, is <laughs> open to interpretation. Yeah. It, uh, I guess as long as the virtual Abbey Road is never in danger of replacing the real Abbey Road. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I mean, technology, I think technology has always been a, a form of augmentation. It's, it's, it's never, I'd like to say in most cases, it hasn't fully replaced the creative process. When MIDI first came onto the scene, this, this ability to trigger these synthesized sounds, which, <laughs> you know, these synthesizers were trying to recreate the sound of a horn or recreate the sound of a string. Yes. Obviously, they sounded nothing like it at the time, but there, there was a fear mm. that eventually musicians will, will be replaced by these synthesizers and, and, it, and, and MIDI would replace musicians. I mean, that didn't happen. If anything, it was an augmentation of the music production process. You could go even sort of further back in history, for examples. I mean, like the tape machine, for example. Mm. Um, when Abbey Road opened, it was um, they were cutting straight to, to wax, like wax discs, and they would they would be used. They were, the wax disc would go off to the factories in Hayes, and that would be used to make a mold, to make a stamper, to make the, the the record. Music recording wasn't this glamorous thing back then. It was seen as an absolute nightmare. What my point is is that um, when tape machines came onto the scene after the Second World War, uh, you suddenly had this ability to edit. Not only did it increase the fidelity of the recording, but you could record maybe five or six takes of the same piece of music and then choose the best parts from those five or six takes, cut it together physically with scissors and a bit of tape and and have this perfectly seamless recording. Now, I'm sure back then there would have been people who may have gone, well, that's not musicianship or that's not real or however you want to put it. But it was that was technology augmenting the recording process to make people's lives easier. And we've seen many instances of that throughout history. Uh, so, so, yeah, when you said to me back then, like, you know, well, hopefully the, the metaverse, whatever that might be, or if it might be, or who, who knows what's going to happen, but, you know, whatever your interpretation of the metaverse is, will it replace Abbey Road? No, just like MIDI didn't replace the musician, just like the tape machine didn't replace musicianship or whatever. So, Well, here's to the future. Thank you for guiding us from the past of Abbey Road into the metaverse. Pleasure. <laughs> Great to see you, Merrick. Thanks. Abbey Road Studios, enjoying 90 years in operation. If you enjoyed this, then why not check out our other episodes on Virgin Atlantic Vera.